Need a website for your business, but not looking to break the bank for one? I've got you covered. Hi, it's me, Ashley M. Lyle, founder and CEO of Blacken and host of the Black Queens on Stage podcast. And yes, I also have a website business, Sites by Lyle. I can create a dynamic website for your business that will showcase your work, wow potential clients, and close more sales. So contact me on my Instagram at Sites by Lyle to schedule your free 30-minute evaluation so we can get you started on your new website. Welcome to the Black Queens on Stage podcast, presented by Black Literature and Art Queens Network, where we bring our queens to the stage. Welcome to the podcast where we honor and acknowledge Black women performers and discuss racial issues within Michigan performing venues. I'm Ashley M. Lyle, and today I am joined by the tremendously talented poetist and rapper, Mona Lise. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm so excited to speak with you today because when I was searching for other poets across Instagram to get in connection with, I I talked to Chani the Hippie, Mm -hmm. who's a fantastic poet herself. And I asked her, hey, do you, can you recommend me any poets that, that I should be keeping an eye out for? And she, she mentioned you first. She was like, you have to look out for this girl right here. She is so talented. She couldn't stop bragging about you. So I was like, okay. And the first thing that I watched was your video called Niggas and Bills. Oh yeah, Niggas I completely Bills. fell in love with that. Completely oh. fell in love with that. I was like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because I wrote that song while I was in a room with my ex-boyfriend who I was writing it about. And I'm like, I use music to be very petty. Like, and when I'm mad, my music is mad. So I'm literally writing this like, what you want to do? Another one will. Like, just mad. That's great. <laughs> hey, I mean, and, and I, I love it when I hear artists express their feelings. And I really love it when they get petty in their music. I love that. And it, that's, that's wrong for me to say that. But it's a good way to really get it out without actually dropping anyone's name. Yeah. You know, and it's particularly when it when it comes to love interests. You know, they hurt you. What better way as an artist to let it out but through your work? Yeah, it's no it's no better way. It's going to bleed over. Emotion's going to bleed no matter what you think. You know, like if you're a true artist, if you're happy, you know, your art might be a little bit more happier or any type of art, whether that be, you know, rapping, poetry, painting, it don't matter. Mm-hmm. Clothing, probably might wear a little bit more darker colors. Like whatever you do to express yourself, you know, your emotion's going to bleed over. Exactly. Well, let's let's formally get started with this interview, shall we? Yeah. All right. So explain to me what inspired your name. Mona Lisa. I've been going by Mona. Well, it started off as Mona Lisa, then it changed to Mona Lisa. But I've been going by that name since I was 17. It really was just like me going through phenomenal women through history. And I'm like, I want to name myself after like something that everybody knows. And I was just like, oh, Mona Lisa. Everybody knows Mona Lisa. Like even to this day, when I say, oh yeah, I go by Mona Lisa. They're like, oh, that sounds familiar. It's very familiar. Everybody knows Mona Lisa. 
Lisa. So I'm like, all right, she's a work of art. I paint sto- I paint pictures with my stories. Like, you know, so it just, it just went. So why don't you describe <laughs> to me your style of rap and poetry? Well, my style of rap and poetry is very straight to the point. I say things exactly how it is. People would say that I remind them of like women from the 90s hip hop era. Very, you know, aggressive, but it could be se- um, sensual as well. I would just say it's very bold, intense, you know, nostalgic type of style. Yeah, that's what I definitely picked up when I was listening to your SoundCloud nonstop. It was one song, I think it was, oh, it was the song Cartier, Cartier's and Minks. Oh yeah, Car- Cartier's and Minks. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And I was listening to, I was like, God, she sounds like Missy Elliott right here. You know, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is like really good. Just about every single song, your features, everything is just, you just sound so fantastic. The words that just, that just come out of your mouth. It just sounds so fantastic. And the way that your flow is, is just out of this world. Oh my God. Thank you so much. Like, yeah, I pride myself on having a good flow. If I don't have nothing, you know, I'm gonna have a flow. <laughs> right, right. So explain your writing process. Like, where do you draw your inspiration from? Well, it's really from just like, I listen to the beat and whatever the beat is feeling, then I come up with that first line. And usually the first line sets the tone for the whole song. And I just build off of that. I just need like really just one good first line. And then I'm off on whatever I'm writing about, whatever that may be. Most of the time I write about relationships or connections or, you know, stuff like that. So I just keep going and I just think of a situation and I just keep adding lines that goes with the situation at hand that I'm talking about. Do you have a favorite song of the songs that you've created or songs that you've been featured in? Um, a favorite? Um, I really don't have a favorite. I really make my music. I record it. I listen to it probably every day for a week and then I don't listen to it anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to it a lot for that first week and then like I don't really listen to it anymore after that. So how many rewrites do you go through? Like writing it again? Yeah, like if you're if you're writing and then you're like, no, that doesn't fit or Not you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. if I put down a line for the most part, that's the line because it, I go through so many different lines in my head until I finally come up with one. So then mm-hmm. it's just like if I write it down, it's probably because I really, I really like that line. I don't usually rewrite any of my music. Okay. Yeah, the, the reason why I asked that question because I, I just recently, I, I just finished the first season of Hulu's original series, Wu-Tang Clan's show, mm-hmm. TV series. One of one of the rappers, he, he was, you know, listening to the other dudes, their lyrics, and he was like, man, I gotta, I gotta rewrite my lines. And he just snatched out the entire sheet had a had a whole sheet full of lines and snatched it completely out and rewrote it so i just thought that was really interesting so what does a rehearsal day before like an event that you have to go to look like well usually i'm with my manager we get like a room with a whole bunch of mirrors and we just run it out we practice it out just like i do it on the stage i would do it in rehearsal so i just rehearsed it like i was on stage and then what does your audience look like when you are performing at an event my audience is usually just looking they just be staring like they don't really be saying too much, you know, because I'm not one of the, like, the hypest performers, but I could tell I got their full divided attention because mm-hmm. I just got, I feel like I got one of those voices that like people, they just pay attention to. So I get their attention for sure. Do you happen to see more men, women, black people, white people at your events? I say it's probably more men are fans of mine. More men are and definitely a mixed crowd. 
I have a lot of, it, it shocks me too. I remember I was working my waitress job and it was really, really busy. And it was, it was this white couple and they both had on like plaid. They were like regular, you know, like they were just white, you know, whatever. And they were like, are you Mona Lisa? And I'm like, what? Oh. Yeah, I yeah. am. But they didn't look like the type of person, the type of people to listen to me. So I'm like, oh, okay. You know, switching it up a little bit, you know. <laughs> you know it was different i'm like okay so i guess everybody be listening to me but then i get like hit up from people all across the world from africa from rome to japan to france you know people hit me up from all over the world talking about oh i love you switzerland i just did a song with somebody from switzerland they just hit me up oh wow that that's interesting what was that like it was very interesting the whole um album was in a different language except for like my verse but they hit me up and they're like yo you know i really love your music da 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 like, would you mind being featured on this project? And I'm like, yeah, I would love it. What was the name of the artist? Uh, what was his name? His name was Zamigos. Is Z A M M I G O S. That's interesting. I'm gonna have to look for that. Well, speaking of your waitress job, is performing your full time career? Well, now it is. Yeah, like ever okay. since you know the pandemic happened, I had to um, leave my job. Even though they opened up again, it was just like it's not worth it. And I quit two weeks prior to when they really shut down again. They shut down twice. A lady got corona there, so I'm like, Ooh, mm. I <laughs> right, I'm, I'm not healthy to be a waitress right. <laughs> right exactly oh no so how did you how did you find balance between your artistic career and your waitress job oh because i always put music first like even if i had to work i'll let them know like just so y'all know like i'm doing this show on this day so if i get in trouble that's what it is like i wouldn't care i don't care what y'all about to do but i got this show on this day so you know <laughs> y'all figure y'all stuff out but and that's just how right. it was you know but i tell them in advance like just so you know i got this this that and the third going on and i never worked mondays or tuesdays i don't i didn't care what was going on that was my sacred days i'm like i'm not working mondays and tuesdays so mm-hmm. so did did you find support from like management or even other co-workers yeah everybody was pretty supportive i feel like everywhere i go people are really supportive of what i do like as an artist i feel like being an artist is like a different i mean it's not different because there's so many people that do it but it's like an interesting thing to do so people are always excited like if i tell people oh yeah i'm a rapper they're like oh wow that's so cool people are really Mm -hmm. amazed by rap yeah i mean i feel like poetry and rap is just such a depth of intellect that you you gotta be like like almost one in a million to be be that type person you know i'm I'm so jealous of poets and rappers and and people who are lyrically intelligent because I, I my a friend of mine he he's very intelligent and he and I we just actually did a um, a black actor conference series mm-hmm. where we talked about racism in Michigan theater and he helped me a lot and we came together and put this whole conference on and he wrote a ten to eleven page statement about what theaters in Michigan need to do to move forward from an from anti racism and he just he pushed it out within a matter of like maybe two days and I'm like are you serious and it was so thorough it was so thorough I was like you have no idea how jealous I am because I would have loved to have made something like this myself (laughs) yeah I feel like the lyrically gifted being lyrically gifted is amazing too 
I didn't know that I had this gift until I was like, I want to say to what I wouldn't even go as far as like seven. Mm. Like I was making up my own songs. I didn't think nothing of it. I thought everybody make up their own songs. Like you a kid, you like, all right. I remember too, like I was never shy. I would always sing. People would be like, sing. And I would like sing for people without being shy. I actually enjoyed it. Like when adults would be like, sing or, you know, so that was like my first little sense of being on stage is singing for people who asked me to sing. So I'm okay. I like that feeling. So then around 13, 14, I started rapping because I had a friend at the Boys and Girls Club and she was rapping at like 14. And I'm like, that's so cool. I never seen nobody, especially like no girl just rapping she just had rap i remember she had this one rap where every word was like eliminated it ended with aided or something it was like eliminated complicated dedicated it was something where it was just i just thought it was the coolest thing ever so i started making my own raps in high school i was known as the rapper girl and at the boys and girls club i was known as the rapper girl and the older i got i just kind of brushed up on my skills and got really good at it just kind of <laughs> unfolded like that I never thought it was nothing that was going to be a big part of my life until I graduated high school. Because I'm like, I'm not about to risk my life to be a rapper. I'm not about to just give my all to something that's, you know, you can't see or you can't. It's no particular pathway. Like, it was just a scary thing to me. But after high school, I figured out it was definitely worth it, worth the try, give my all to being a rapper, because it would definitely pay off in the end. Mm -hmm. Well, it's paying off right now. I mean, you got the chance to be a part of Pusha T's 1800 minute series it was a series right or was it just it was it an album and just a film it was an album and a film okay like two shows so it was yeah interesting i really did enjoy that experience yeah let's switch gears a little bit and i'm gonna ask you a bit of a serious question Mm -hmm. so as a black woman in a male-dominated industry what kind of obstacles or challenges have you faced because you're black and a woman and how did you overcome them well the i would say the biggest obstacle is before they hear me rap like the studio they kind of overlook i get the question of who you come here with like because i can't possibly be here by myself they overlook oh you you a rapper oh or like if they hear i'm a rapper they'll like kind of already put me in a box in their head of what I would sound like or you know they'll underestimate me but I feel as though like as soon as people hear me rap they understand that it's real talent so I feel like after they hear me rap they I get a lot of respect from men men are very respectful to me when they hear me rap like even the way they come at me in the dms or they be like you know hey queen or what you feel about this or what it's it's all respectful they are very respectful you know when they hear me rap they they don't come at me crazy you know I'm trying to do this or get that or you know anything sexual along those lines they are very respectful but I think it's because it's like really talent they know it's talent so it, you, your manager Co- uh, Coslo Cozilo, mm-hmm. you have a female manager. Yeah. Does it feel like having a female manager where other production companies or other studio, do they give you guys a hard time because one, you're a female artist and two, she's a female manager? No, we actually slip through a lot of doors being females. It actually works to our favor. You know, like, mm. I feel like being a female actually helps us, honestly, because we can slip through the doors that I would say two guys couldn't slip through because we're females. We're not necessarily a threat I guess but Mm -hmm. you know being a female people are more comfortable to be men are more comfortable to invite you into their environment 
without, you know, going through too many questions and too many, who, who are you, who you from, where you from, who you riding with, but like two women, you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, come on, what y'all doing today, or what y'all got up, or it's just easy, mm-hmm. I think, being a female in certain areas, but I feel like the talent really speaks for itself, people, they want to help, and then me being a female, I feel like it makes it that much more interesting, so I feel like I use it to my advantage. Well, I it's it's an advantage for me in my eyes. But, you know, I would say the only negatives that I could really think about is people that you work with trying to blur those lines a little bit. You get close to your engineer. You get close to your producer. You spend all this time with them. People be catching feelings. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just mm-hmm. That's like you going to school with somebody or you having a coworker or you spend all of that time with somebody. You, it's easier to blur the lines because I'm a woman versus, you know, if I'm a man spending all this time with you in the late wee hours of the night. But since I'm a woman, sometimes they might, you know, they might try. But one thing about me though, is I, you know, I can set a boundary now. I can let it be known. Like what, what's going on? Like what you trying, like, what are you doing? Like this, not that, you know? So I can, mm-hmm. you know, I can set a boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it, I think that's really important, especially for artists, you know, that we set our boundaries. Yeah. Sometimes, it, and especially when when we're in fields of, of art where it's dominated by men and they try to trample over us or, or they undermine us. But then when we set those boundaries and let them know like, nope, this has got to be A, B, C, and D, they respect us more for that. Mm-hmm. They do respect you. And I'll be trying to mm-hmm. tell girls that too, like, you do not have to do all that extra stuff studio time it's some girls who they really think if i be real nice to the engineer if i like do this he might give me some free studio time it don't even work like that for real like it's just you don't have to do all of that it's very unnecessary right so let's switch back gears to talking about your the project that you were on with Pusha T. let's talk about what that was like what was that like like that had to be such an exciting moment for you it felt like a dream or something it felt like a different world because first of all they flew me out to beverly hills for 10 days and i was staying at the sophie hotel and we was recording that i forgot the name of the studio but it was down the street from the hotel and it was the same studio michael jackson created thriller out of so that's amazing i'm like okay this is crazy as hell First of all, because I've never been to California, but then the first time I go to California, I'm staying in Beverly Hills, recording at the same studio Michael Jackson made Thriller out of, you know, and all of these people are at my beck and call. It was it was scary. Okay, because usually, I'm, I'm not going to lie, like, people try to make sure I'm comfortable in music situations, but they overdid it, like, to the point where it's just like, order whatever you want, and I'm like, okay, what, what does that mean? Like, what do you mean, order whatever <laughs> I want? Seriously, order whatever you want. And they bring out this book that's thicker than the Bible of all the restaurants that I can order from. And it was just so crazy. The food comes. They wouldn't even let me get the food. They said, keep sitting. They brought out a table for me. And, you know, I'm in the studio. And they putting the food in front of me, asking me what I want to drink. My throat was hoarse one day. And they was like, oh, no. Like, oh, we got to get you some tea. Like, we got to get you some. They were just on it. It was crazy. And then meeting all of these different type of people, being on a set where, you know, a photo shoot set where it's just like, it's like hundreds of people involved because you got 
it was just crazy. The photographer got an assistant. The stylist got an assistant. You got the lighting person. He got an assistant. Everybody got an assistant. And it's just like, everybody is working towards like the same goal. And it was like this crazy situation. And it was just like, you know, going to dinner at places where you need a membership card for. And it's off the hill. You can't even take pictures in there because it was so exclusive, I guess. And I, it was just crazy. I was overwhelmed. Even to the point the last day, I think everybody met like for real and like not. I forgot. I think it was like for real and Nas and a whole bunch of other people. I didn't even leave the uh, hotel. I said, I can't go out no more. I am literally culturally shocked. I am culturally shocked. I'm not leaving the house. And my manager is like, you're crazy. You really want to stay here. Like, are you sure? I'm like, yes, I just want to sit still. Because literally I was out there for 10 days, but they made me work every day. It wasn't just chill, relax. No, I had to put work in every single day. So, you know, and then after I flew home, I had to fly right back out because we doing a show in New York. 2,000 people. It's press rooms. You got BT Conclave. They all like, trying to like, oh, Mona Lisa. Or, oh, da, 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 da. Can I talk to you? Da, da, da. It was very crazy. You know what I'm saying? So. Oh, wow. So, so the whole project with Pusha T, it was first you guys were in Miami and then you guys shout out to, to New York City for a show. Well, first we were in California and then we shout out mm. to New York for a show. And then after that, we did a show in Detroit because me and Sam Austin's are from Detroit. So they kind of did it because we are from Detroit and the CEO of 1800 is from Detroit. So that was kind of why they did it here. Mm. Mm. Okay. He owed 1800 Like, it was just crazy. Wow. Oh, it man. Just- I, I You had to be just so full of all of what was going on. You just didn't, you probably didn't even know how to really respond to any of it because everything was such a sensory overload. It was definitely a sensory overload, but it definitely was a sneak peek of the future of, like, mm-hmm. the lifestyle and how, how things are going to be. You know, so it definitely was like a learning experience. Mm-hmm. It taught me like my social media is not as big as I thought it was because I get socially tired quick. So I'm like, people are like, what's wrong with Mona? I was fine, but it was just so much at every second. Like we move, we leave from one spot to another spot to another spot. Like I felt like, I don't know, like I just was getting pulled in every direction. So was the workflow different than what you're normally used to Hell when creating the, the music? Everything is on a schedule, you know, because you pay for all the the time that you use. So everything is paid time. The photo shoot, the warehouse, the studio, everything is a select time frame that you have. So even as far as the meeting, the rehearsals, like you have to be every... New York was the worst. I I was late a lot in New York because I didn't understand and I underestimated New York traffic. I was late (laughs) almost every meeting, every rest... I was... I was late, okay? (laughs) I was late in New York. I've visited New York twice and man, the first time I went, I underestimated it as well. But the second time I was oh so ready. I was backpacking it everywhere. I was walking everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I was in New York by myself. Oh, wow. Yeah. But the first time I went, I was thinking, I'm going to get a taxi cab. I'm going to get on the subway. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Not realizing how much time that really sucks away from when you're trying to actually get somewhere. So describe a moment when you got the chance to work with a diverse group of people. A lot of times when I do work with white people, it just be behind the scenes stuff. You know, the producer or they be the photographer or like the 
you know, behind the scenes person. But mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't think my, who I work with is that diverse yet. You know, I feel like the people in my circle are pretty much the same type of people. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, some of your songs. First of all, I would have to say my favorite, my personal favorite of yours is Ooh La La. I absolutely love Ooh La La. That, that's just my type of song where it's something that'll definitely get me jumping and dancing around. So why don't, tell me how Ooh La La came, came about. Okay. See, Ooh La La was, I was at the studio coming up with Diligence or whatever, and the producers, they were giving me an option to pick from three beats a day. Like, they would play three beats and be like, which one to write to? And I'd be like, oh, I guess I'm writing to this one. So the beat selection that particular day was all songs that I would never pick on a regular day, but it was from that selection. And Ooh La La, it was different. And I'm like, I could ride this beat, like... And then the first line I came up was like, put up to the party with a baddie, had a couple niggas at me. If you ballin', we can bet it up. And I just kept going off of that type of fast Peter Piper Pecker type of flow, like where it's just like, you know, the words almost all sound the same. So that's mm -hmm. how I kind of came up that. It was just kind of upbeat and it just made me feel like, ooh, la, la, la. And I was actually like just listening to that before I got on here with you and I'm, and I'm dancing around my room, <laughs> just having a good time with that song. Now, one song that, that just recently came out last month was Dear America with oh. Melrose. Yeah. Oh, man. That's... If, for those that are listening, if you have not heard this song yet, you need to listen to it. It's called Dear America with three Ks in America. Talk about the process of that. How did how how did everything work out with that? Well, Melrose hit me up and she said, um, do you still do poetry? And I'm like, yeah, I still do poetry. She like, well, I need you to put a poem on this song that I'm working on called Dear America. And I'm like, all right. I literally wrote my verse in, I want to say 10 minutes. And wow. I wrote the second one in like 15 minutes. It was very, very quick. It was very, very quick. It was it was almost like it was already written and I'm just writing it down. Like I wrote it very, very quick. But yeah, the uh, Dear America is basically just, it's like if you were to write a letter to America, you know, and I kind of broke it down to where each color means something different to me. Then, you know, I just came up with my own definitions of what the colors meant to me. Yeah, that's a, that's amazing. The poem that you wrote for it was just astounding. And I'm listening to it because uh, as I'm you know, going through SoundCloud and I come across this one and I'm like, oh, I haven't listened to this one yet. So I listened to it and I was just absolutely amazed. One, by your poem and then two, by Melrose's lyrics. And I'm just like, wow, this like deeper than anything that's come out so far this year regarding Black Lives Matter. It's a great song. A lot of white women hit me up after I dropped that song. Mm, interesting. Was How, what was the response from them? They were basically saying this, if you haven't listened to it, you got to listen to it. Another white lady was like, you got to, something, I forgot what she said, but it was something about like the talent from the oppressed is something. I forgot what she said, but I didn't know mm -hmm. that you mad at it or not. It was, it was like borderline, like, what are you saying? <laughs> it was something about, yeah, like one thing that uh, does come from this is like the talent of the oppressed is something. She said something, I, I ain't replied, but it, it confused me. But yeah, it was a few of them that was hitting me up off of Dear America. Mm-hmm. So you have an EP out called Diligence. Why don't you talk to me about what Diligence is about? Diligence was like my first project for real coming out. Diligence, you know, I can do anything. You know, I can rap this type of way. I can rap any type of way. You know, I'm on the lease. It was great. It was a great experience. It was it was just a project to show like a little bit of range and just something different. Mm -hmm. And then with uh, the project that you did with Pusha T, now you said there was a an album and then a film. What was on the film? 
Um, because I didn't get a chance to see that. Well, basically, he was just talking about each artist and like what type and who they are to him. You know, Sam Austin's is like this. You know, Mona Lisa is a poet, and it's so crazy that everybody always calls me a poet. By the way, I am a poet. Nah, don't get me wrong, I am a poet. But it's just crazy because most people have never heard me spit a poem. Like I don't broadcast my poetry a lot, mm-hmm. and Pusha T never heard me spit a poem ever. You know, but he was just like, she's a poet. You know, and everybody is like. You know, Mona is a poet. So I don't know if it's the raps that's giving poetry vibes or it got to be the raps that's give off poetry vibes. Because I do write poetry, but I don't have a lot of poetry out for people to even know that I am a poet. Mm -hmm. You know, so it definitely was, uh, it was crazy. He was like, yeah, watch her on stage all day and just see where her mind goes. But the film was just like talking about each artist and hip hop. It's not mm-hmm. a long film. Well, yeah, I definitely can hear the the poeticness in your words, in your in your music, because the way that you put your words together is definitely different than what a lot of artists do for their music. There was one song in particular, I'm trying to think, I can't remember exactly which one it was, but it was one song. Oh, I think it was I Do. Mm-hmm. I Do. It, 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 was, di- it was different. I can't really explain it, but the lyrics, the words, everything just seemed to blend in together effortlessly. And I think that's why people just automatically know that it's poetry, you know? It's just it's just poetry with beats attached to it and that's your rap, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's specific to you. Yeah. And I think that's why people can just so quickly pick up on that, that you're also a poet. Yeah, there's just uh, probably just the delivery and you know, I also get like people say like, oh, your words are so clear. Your words mm-hmm. are, I can hear every word that you're saying. And I'm like, okay. Right. It's just crazy how much hip-hop is changing you know i've been rapping the same since i was 14 honestly yeah because i think a a lot of today's rap of course it's for you know this this younger generation where it's just a lot of mumbling and the words just kind of literally just form together and then you can't barely understand it but you know it and I think that's why, because if you don't mind me asking, how how old are you? Uh, I'm 25. 25, yeah. So you're you're still young. I'm I'm like almost 10 years older than you. Anyway, um, <laughs> but a lot of today's rap it does not sound like what your rap sounds like. Your rap is something that is like very nostalgic. You know, something yeah. that that a lot of people are yearning for in rap. Yeah, definitely taking it back. So what kind of moral support do you get for your artistic career? Ever since I was 18, I decided to take this seriously. My parents, they support. My brothers and sisters, they support. You know, I walk in the gas station. You still rapping? Yep, I'm still rapping. You know, like everybody is (laughs) always supporting. I never really had to go through any, you know, turbulence or any problems with family and people trying to sway me away from the craft. It kind of always was like, go for it. Go do it. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom bragged on me. My daddy bragged on me. It'd be kind of, I'd be like, y'all need to chill. But my mama, she named me. And she still introduced me as Mona. I'm like, mama, you gave me my name. Like, I'm not Mona right now. She's like, yeah, this is my daughter, mama. Mm-hmm. Look her up. I'd be like, mama, you can call me Morgan. That is the name you gave me. Like. <laughs> that's great that's 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 fantastic I love that you know I hear I love hearing about parents that are so into their kids careers and and just hearing you say that your parents when they address you in front of others they address you by your stage name that's fantastic I love that that now that's that's some support I love that so how do you keep your mental health in check and keep yourself performance ready 
I just started really like figuring this out because my mental health hasn't been like the great, the greatest over the years. But I feel like now I feel like what helps me is just restoring myself and just, you know, every once in a while going over my life as if I'm not living it. If I'm talking to somebody else about my life and I'd be like, all right, does this person mean well in your life? I'd be like, no, they don't. Be like, okay, they gotta go. And it's kind of like clearing house, be like, do you need to be going to this particular place every so often? It's like, no, I don't. So I just, I kind of just go through like, you know, a mental check over everything that I'm doing. And I kind of like just try to keep myself refreshed as far as like relationships, people, things that I do, you know, because um, sometimes when you don't pause, things can get really cluttered in your life. So mm-hmm. I just try to clutter every chance that I get. So what kind of advice would you have for aspiring rappers? I would say if you truly, really want to rap, I would ask them first, like, why do you want to rap? If it's for reasons other than the actual craft, I would suggest doing something else. Because I see a lot of people, they want to be a rapper, maybe because of the status, maybe because they think that they get money and they think that they get in, you know, all of these girls and, or whatever the reason, if it's any reason other than, because I truly, truly love music and I truly Really want to do music i would suggest finding what you really love to do and doing that instead nice so now we've reached the end of our conversation today oh. and i have this segment called the queen's request okay Okay, so I would like for you to suggest to me one or two Black Michigan women artists that we should be keeping an eye out for. Oh, okay. So I definitely would say Tiny Jack, T-I-N-Y-J-A-G. And then I will recommend um, J-Prime, J-A-Y-E-P-R-I-M-E. All right. Well, I enjoyed this talk today. Man, I, I feel like I'm I'm honestly speaking to a, a high-ranking celebrity, honestly, because oh <laughs> because like I told you, I, I've I've been just obsessing over your EP, your your other music, the features, the eighteen hundred second album. I mean, you're just you're just amazing. You really are. Wow. Thank you so much. <laughs> like I really appreciate that. Like honestly. Do you have anything else that promote or social media no but i would say look out very soon i should be dropping a project in the fall time um so i definitely would uh, keep a lookout for me well thank you so much i really truly do appreciate this talk with you mona lise oh thank you so much ashley it's been a pleasure thanks for tuning in to today's episode you can find black queens on stage podcast and black literature and art queens network at blackqueensonstage.com and blaqn.org. Follow me on Instagram at blaqn show Michigan, on Facebook at blaq show Michigan, and on Twitter at blaqnmi. You can find all this info in the show notes. Please rate the show and leave a review on Apple Podcast or on Podbean to let me know what you think of the show. Thanks again. Until next time. <laughs>